a frigid multitude of top secret, highly secure locations across South Texas, which is starting to thaw, thankfully. Uh, This is the latest edition of the Spurs Insider Podcast. I am your host, Mike Finger, with the usual crew of sports editor Nick Talbot and beat writers Tom Ringo Starr, Orsborn, and the polarizing Jeff McDonald. Um, we're taping a couple of days no, after our no, usual no Monday pun spot. Intended on polarizing. No Did pun you say intended polarizing on polarizing. Um, both apply. Um, we're taping on Wednesday, a couple days after our usual time slot. I'm not sure if podcasts have time slots, but uh, we needed to thaw out and get power. And if we would have taped Monday morning, as usual, we would have been talking about the red hot. San Antonio Spurs starting their rodeo road trip with a couple of wins and vaulting to five games over 500 and looking like playoff contenders. And we would have had all kinds of of stuff like that to talk about. Instead, um, we're talking about a a team that has, according to the NBA, four positive COVID tests, now four games postponed on this trip. No games will be played until, I believe, next Wednesday, the 24th at the earliest – um, Tom, can you give us an update as to what we should be thinking about now? What are the next issues facing uh, this team, facing this quarantine? Yeah, Mike, as, as far as we know, they're still in um, uh, Charlotte, uh, at the hotel in Charlotte. And, um, you know, I think they're waiting for guidance from the league on whether the, the players that, are, that uh, you know, the people that are healthy that, that aren't infected with COVID um, – that didn't test positive, whether they can come back to San Antonio, you know, the players, the coaching staff, the support staff, um, you know, it's going to be a long stretch, uh, potentially two weeks where the, the ones that tested positive will have to be quarantined. So the other guys, you would think the best thing for them would be to get back to San Antonio, have some semblance of normal normalcy and also be able to stay in shape. Uh, for when, uh, whenever they do play again, which would be February 24th at Oklahoma City, if everything goes well. And this is not the, the Spurs' first brush with COVID this year. Uh, Drew Eubanks and Becky Hammond had it in Los Angeles. And to your point, Tom, they were there for a couple of weeks, right? Yes. Yes, days. nearly two weeks. Yeah, 10 days. Yeah. 10 days. So um, do you guys want to get into that or kind of how this, I know there's, there's to keep this in perspective, there are things bigger than basketball. um, A lot of things bigger than basketball these days, but you know, uh, this is a podcast about the local cagers. Um, How does this kind of affect their, um, their season? What would you think, Jeff? Well, first of all, we'll we'll see if they return to the the floor on the 24th. But really, if it's only the I mean, we don't really know what the positive test situation is, what other positive tests there may or may not be. But if it's only the four, the four right now, then that once the contract contact tracing uh, protocols are followed, that could leave them, you know, ready to play. I mean, not ready to play, but but forced to play If, if they only have four guys with positive tests. That's going to leave them with 12 that don't. I mean, even if you count the guys in the bubble, that's 10 that don't. So that's that's a that's a go. But we don't know 
who they will have for that game at Oklahoma City if they're allowed to play. Um, I don't. I think that's still um, within the window where the, where the people, the the four players that have the have the positive test won't be able to play. So they'll be shorthanded, and we won't even really know what their uh, you know rotation might even look like. What if it's all the bigs? Like we don't know. We don't know what the team will even look like. But uh, there's there's a real possibility that they could go from red hot to having having a week or so off, eight days, nine days off, to returning with a skeleton crew and not really being able to regain that momentum, that footing that they had. So it'll it's it's just another challenge and. Other teams have had to go through it, so you can't really complain about it. But it did seem right as the Spurs were getting everyone back, getting that young core back, Derek White's back, everything's back kind of where it needs to be. Um, all of a sudden, they have to take this force break. And then we don't know Aldridge's status. Conceivably, he should be okay by the time they return, yeah, but one, we really don't know. One thing to consider when they're coming back is what do they come back like? Right, right, and um, I mean, well, the, it's we, not just a matter of okay when they return. We got four players with COVID. That's going to be like Jason Tatum or Carl Anthony Towns or a couple other players have really struggled with with it when they returned. Uh, Tatum said the other day that he's still struggling to get up and down the court. Um, so, we, and we don't know which players have it at this point. So, I mean, if there's Dejounte Murray and Demar Derozan and some of your core that have it, it could really hinder the team going forward. You just don't, there's a lot of unknowns with how it's going to affect who has it. And we don't know, really know who has it because those won't be confirmed at this point. Right. So. Just let me read just so we, we are all clear. Our, our, our listener is clear. This is from the, the NBA website. This is the protocol for returning to play. I'll just read it. Um, anyone who tests positive will have two routes to returning to work. They can either go 10 days or more after the first positive test, so a 10-day quarantine, uh, first positive test or onset of symptoms, or they can test negative twice at least 24 hours apart via PCR testing. So that's um, that's that. there's two routes to do it. You're either out for 10 days or you get two negative tests, PCR tests, within 24 hours of each other. So right. there you go. And – I mean, to to Nick's point, we're talking about almost two different issues within the COVID, and that on the one on, on on one hand, it's when are players allowed to return, and then on the other, we're still talking about a virus and a disease that can um, have impacts that we are we we can't know for sure who's going to have these lingering Jason Tatum like. Uh, uh, symptoms that, I mean, you, you can't just assume that, okay, Quindary Weatherspoon had it. He's now recovered all as well with Quindary Weatherspoon. Now, I mean, it, you know, there, there could be issues that the, the players that are returning once they are allowed to return could face for a while. So it's, it's a complicated thing. Um, I don't think it's a, it's a matter of one week from now, this is completely behind them. Um, that definitely won't be the case because, like Jeff pointed out, those four people who tested positive aren't going to be back in seven days. Um, but this could be something that they could—they'll have to deal with for a while. And uh, you know, they are not the only team to deal with it. They're not the only people to be dealing with it, of course. Um, 
but this, you know, frustrating to say the least for uh, for the Spurs to uh, to hit that road trip this way. Um, what what were you guys thinking about the way everything was coming together? You know, as of as of Sunday night in in Charlotte, where they, uh, I guess, the first two games of the road trip, they build a forty two point lead at Atlanta, <laughs> and then erase a seventeen point first quarter deficit against Charlotte, like in a matter of a few minutes. I mean, those in a way were two of the most impressive uh, performances of the year, weren't they? Yeah. And I guess the one thing you can say is this ensures they're going to have a winning rodeo road trip for the first time in in three years because they can't, they can't finish worse than two and one. But yeah, it was, it was really too, um, Two impressive performances to me. The the big the big thing is Derek White being back in, in the lineup and back to looking more like himself. But when those when that four that that foursome White and Murray and Keldon and Lonnie are all playing well together, um, the Spurs are really tough to beat. And we saw that in Charlotte, where where Charlotte did some things to sort of take Demar out of the mix. Um, I think he had eight points in that game, Demar Derozan. Um, but the other four guys that I mentioned all played well, all gave you good minutes. And when that happens, the Spurs are a pretty good team. And you kind of start to see what they were envisioning when they were stacking all these dra- draft picks up together in a row. Yeah, they've really, you know, they, they've won five of six. They've got the backcourt that they want finally set. Lonnie, you know, it's a small sample size, but he seems, you know, the game that he had uh, against Charlotte was a good uh, sign that he could settle into that role coming off the bench. I mean, everything was looking up and then bam, (laughs) you know, uh, the COVID hits them pretty hard. So, uh, yeah, but everything, everything was falling into place. Uh, You know, of course, Aldridge is out of the mix and that's the big question mark is what what happens when he comes back? We're kind of back to where we were um, at the beginning of the year, where they're coming out of that Orlando bubble and everything looks good, but, but um, you know, what do we do about LaMarcus? And so we're, we're sort of back to that when LaMarcus returns and everything's up and running again, how does he fit in? How do they, how do they do what they've been doing with him out? And that that's kind of where we were when we came into the season. Do you, it's, there's not going to be games for a while. So this might be as good of a uh, podcast as any to get into that since there's not much to analyze in the immediate future. Why not look at long-term future and whether or not LaMarcus does fit? Um, I think this is a year where, you know, you're talking about the two high profile um, veterans who are going to become free agents and whether this would be their last year in San Antonio, whether they're going to move on. I think in a lot of ways, DeMar DeRozan has proven that he can be really valuable to a team with a young core to, to kind of be part of the winning, being part of distributing, being fitting right into that bubble ball um, the way he did even last summer. Um, the questions about LaMarcus continue and, um, you know, it, I guess two questions. How does he fit in the rest of, of this season? And I think the more obvious one is that he probably does not fit in beyond the season, right? 
Yeah, I think your second question is correct, or your second statement is correct. The, the first one, you know, it's not like he he's a bad player, and he did, he's had some games where he's done some good things for you. I just think when he's out there, he's this is going to sound this is something that that I don't think this is going to sound ridiculous if I had said it two three years ago. But whenever Lamarcus Aldridge is out there, he's taking minutes away from Jakob Pertl, and that's a bad thing. <laughs> like that's a bad thing, and uh, that, you know. That's a sl- it's it, Lamarcus has had these moments that, when he's not making shots. Lamarcus isn't helping you very much anymore. I mean, is that fair or unfair? Right. right. I, no, there was I mean, a thing like yeah. I was looking at Lamarcus. He's not rebounding at all this year. Like there are games where he has one or two rebounds, and I thought, well, that's just because you know Dejounte Murray and Kelvin Johnson are just attacking the boards and taking rebounds from the bigs. But here's here's four of the last five games from Jakob Bertel on the boards: 11, 12, 11, 11. So it's not just it's not just that, that the guards are big and good rebounders. It's it's that LaMarcus doesn't rebound anymore. And, I mean, he's 35. He's obviously been hobbled because he's on the shelf right now. Um, he's a good shooter. That's what he is right now, and I think he still has value to that um, in that respect. But Jakob Pertl does so much, so many good things, it's hard to have him off the floor for too long. I think the, uh, the thing that – Just point is, I think Jakob Hurdle just fits better with what this team needs right now, especially with DeMar and how Keldon Johnson come along and how they're working on the floor together. You really need that big in the middle that's going to rebound and be a defensive rim presence. And that's not LaMarcus. That's Jakob Hurdle. And that's really what this team needs to be successful, I think. And that's what it showed on these last six games when they went five and one without him. Uh, They've done pretty well with him. I think they're 11 and seven with LaMarcus in the lineup. But now, you know, those last six games or so, they've kind of shown and found a groove where they've shown they don't – it sounds weird, but they don't need him to be successful this year. I think the overall <laughs> point that you guys are making is is correct. Uh, but just to be devil's advocate uh, a bit, it's not necessarily about LaMarcus Aldridge versus Jakob Pertl. It's more – well, well, it is in the in a starting lineup or in the majority of the minutes type of question. But I mean, would you rather have Lamarcus Aldridge twenty Mark Lamarcus Aldridge minutes or twenty Drew Eubanks minutes? You know, because L- L- Pertle's going to get twenty minutes either way. He might get extra with Lamarcus out, but um, to to completely discount uh, Lamarcus because you like what Pertle gives you better doesn't necessarily mean you just scrap LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, um, yeah, I'm not saying just scrap the, him. The, but the other thing – go ahead. Uh, Pirtle has paid, played 30 minutes in, what's that, five, six, seven of the last eight games. Or no, yeah. since, since since LaMarcus has been out. He's played 30 minutes in all of them but one. The one is that one at go the loss at Golden State where they just got run off the floor. So every meaningful game, right. he's Pirtle's playing 30 minutes. If you want to give LaMarcus the, the Drew Eubanks minutes, that makes, that makes some sense to me. I guess, but but right. we've also talked like you can't bring Lamarcus off the bench if you're going to play him. He has Correct. to start. He just does. I, I guess I'm just I guess I'm just saying that it's a little more complex um, than just one or the other. Um, the other thing is, as Nick pointed out, there the Spurs are a winning team with Lamarcus playing. Their upside looks higher in these games when the 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 younger core is just running wild and playing fun basketball and it's more enjoyable to watch that style than the 
you know, watching LaMarcus kind of post up and, and slow things down. Um, and I don't think LaMarcus is part of the long-term future, but to say that it's like this night and day thing where they're great without him and terrible with him, it's not that simple either. Because I think through the first month or so, um, the, the, the difference was pretty stark in terms of uh, their winning percentage with LaMarcus was better than, than when he was sitting. So um, I, th- I think everybody's kind of on the same page here. LaMarcus has value. It's just a question of how he fits into this. And I don't think, you know, COVID aside, because they're, they might come to a point here where they need every live body they can get. Once all this is settled, um, I, I don't think anybody would think it's the worst thing ever if they kind of moved on from the Aldridge era. You wonder too, you know, is this is this how it's going to be for the rest of the season? He's, you know, dating back to last year, the shoulder shoulder surgery. He had a knee a knee issue that sidelined him for three games earlier. Then the hip, which conceivably, you know, seemed like a minor thing. And then he's he's pop said he's seeing a uh, his own doctor for treatment on that, and that's kind of lingered longer than I anticipated. Rudy Gay had the sore hip and missed one game. So you just wonder if he's at this, you know, sadly at that point in his career where injuries are going to be an issue all the time. Right. And then he comes back for, he comes back for four or five games and plays and he's out of the lineup and you're readjusting, you're constantly readjusting. Like that's another thing to consider. Like if, if you can't really count on him to be available for a 10 game stretch in a row, that reduces his value as well. Eventually, you have to put your team together um, with the with with the, with the notion that he's he's not going to be there, or he's probably not going to be there, or there's a good chance he's not going to be there. Pop is big on on the team. Speaking, I mean, every coach is big on the team gelling. You want you want your lineups and your combinations to gel, and if you have one guy playing that plays, you know, one key part of that rotation that's in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, it 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 really makes it difficult. Um, for for that process to happen, so we'll see. We'll have to see coming out of COVID how he looks, how he feels, whether he can stay on the floor for an extended period of time before we can really evaluate his fit or or how he fits the rest of the season. But again, I think we're all on the same page that after this season, it's really hard to 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 see how he fits into the long term plans here. With an expiring contract, is it worth even pursuing? The March 25th trade deadline with Mar- Lamarcus Aldridge. I know some people have uh, started started drooling at the bit that they think they can actually get something for him at this point in his career. I'm not sure that's that's true, but is that well, something Jeff, that you should consider? Jeff used the word value uh, in what he was just talking about, and here's the here's the issue. Um, one now that the Spurs can see what, when you just when you come to the conclusion that a guy no longer helps you or that you'd rather be without him, other teams have probably reached the same conclusion about that player. So, okay, now they let's say they decide their future is without LaMarcus Aldridge. They're willing to get rid of him. That means that his trade value is probably at an all-time low. Um, yeah, yeah and, I wouldn't imagine they're going to get much more than a couple of second-round picks for him, but that's, you know. And then the problem well, is you got to take back salary to make and, it work. And the way – the way the trade market works is you can't just trade him for two second round picks. You have to take all that salary back. 
unless the, there's uh, a team that's way under the cap can absorb them, and no one wants to do that. So yeah, the only the only two teams uh, finger I think that I believe can absorb them without the Spurs taking back any money on the contract would be the Boston Celtics and the New York Knicks. The Celtics have a trade exception from Gordon Hayward, and the Knicks are seventeen million dollars under the cap. <laughs> Uh, Knicks, of course, you'd still have to take back seven million. The Knicks would totally trade for Lamarcus Aldridge. I think this. I think this is almost a done deal. They would totally. They would totally trade for. But for like all the all the Spurs fans out there who are on the NBA trade machine, those are the only really things that kind of work. And I I don't know if either of those could see either of those realistically happening. That was my point. I don't know if even, even those scenarios are not very realistic. And again, Lamarcus being on the injured list all season, off and on, isn't helpful in that regard either. You know, right? There's, there's no, there's no realistic trade out there that I see. As it's one, like I said earlier, once the Spurs have decided that um, he can't help them or that they'd be better off without him, like why wouldn't you expect most other teams to reach that same conclusion? There, there seems to be no upside there for anybody like one trade partner that's been rumored for the past couple of years has always been Portland because the Dame Lamarcus relationship is supposedly thawing and that they'd like to be together again. And, um, but I mean that, that doesn't really work either. Like why does Portland want to trade for this, a couple of months of Lamarcus when, as Jeff points out, he's not healthy. It's, it's just, um, it's one thing to say, Hey, it's time to trade Lamarcus. And Lamarcus. It's another thing to actually, actually do, do it. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, and okay. The inevitable criticism, uh, the second guessing that comes along with this is, well, now they're going to let him go for nothing or how, how can you let this guy go and not get anything in return for him? You know, it doesn't taking back bad contracts is not necessarily better than letting him go and having this cap space. Like that's, that's, no, it's, it's, it's demonstrably worse. Right. Right. So, but there's this line of thinking, uh, Oh, his, his, he's going to be gone next year. Get something for him while you can. Like that is getting anything for him while you can. If that's like a bunch of, uh, a bunch of overpaid guys who you fill out your roster with, that is worse than having, $20 million of cap space this offseason. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't if, want any if, contracts back for players uh, that go beyond this season unless they're players I actually want on my roster beyond this season, which right. seems like a, yeah. a, a, an obvious thing to say. But a lot of times in trades like this, you'll, you'll have to take back a guy with two years left that you don't really want, but you have to, make, you have to take him back, make the math work. Right. If I'm the Spurs in this rebuilding process, I don't want anybody on my books for next season that I don't, that I don't want actually be a part of this you know, I want Jakob Pertl. I want Dejounte Murray. I want, I want uh, Derek White. You know, all those guys that you signed to extensions beyond this year. But I don't want Watson and Jetson from some other team. Which I think those guys are uh, are from Latvia. Can I just say Watson that I? Jetson. Can I just say that I I realized that um, that part of this is shtick. Uh, that you've been doing lately about how Jakob Pertl is the greatest player on the team. But I, I love no, how committed I mean, you I'm are serious. to that when you're talking about the <laughs> when you talk about all the all the players that the Spurs want around for the future, the, f- the first one you mention is Jakob Pertl. I think that's great. 
I think your commitment to this bit it's is not a bit. outstanding. He's, he's <laughs> like that guy. Like they need to. Uh, he should be the first player in Spurs history to have his jersey retired while he's playing. <laughs> Put yeah. that thing in the rafters now. He's he's so uh-huh. much fun. I'm. It's I love him. I love watching him go to town. Like the rebounds and the blocks. We're, it's great. While we're talking about enjoyable yeah. stuff. And, and we've left Tom. I'm going to let Tom talk for a little bit. He's been quiet for far too long. Um, well, not not to write the farewell story for Lamarcus Aldridge, but it, it is if you know if this this season is the end for him in San Antonio, it's a tough tough deal. He came here to win a championship, and to, you know, and for and for personal reasons also with his family. But you know, the whole you go back to the Kawhi Leonard uh, drama. Yeah. And it just it just unraveled for him. And, you know, he he had two all star appearances as a spur and it, it started off looking really, really like it was re- really going to be what he had hoped for. So it's just just kind of a sad ending if it is the ending. And, uh, you know, what a great career he's had. And really yeah. was like he, he was what they thought he was. Yeah. Um, just circumstances. Just the, the team came unraveled just, around him. Right. Exactly. And I don't think anybody, even when they signed him, thought that he was going to be the next Tim Duncan, like the centerpiece of future championships. He was just a, a an all-star caliber guy to, to add to a good team. And that kind of, uh, like you said, unraveled around him. Jeff yeah, was it's talking a little about bit of just, a, It's a little bit of a sidetrack, but remember we used to do that uh, like Spurs roundtable for the paper. And one of the questions when they signed LaMarcus – that summer that we were offered as a round table was who's going to lead the Spurs in scoring this first season that LaMarcus Aldridge is here. And it was pretty unanimously LaMarcus Aldridge and not Kawhi Leonard. Like it was, that's, that's where those two players were at that time. LaMarcus was, you know, a scoring star and Kawhi had not quite got there yet. And it turned out to be Kawhi by a country mile, but that was the perception of the time was that LaMarcus was here to be the sort of the lead dog. Um, that was part of the reason he was leaving Portland was he, he, he couldn't be the lead dog there and, um, you know, come here and, and Kawhi, Kawhi kind of emerged, took over, became one of the greatest players in the league, looked like he was going to take them to, to a finals uh, and LaMarcus was going to get his, get, get to the finals and possibly win a championship anyway. And then, you know, we all know the history of Jaja Pachulia and that series. And it, you know, the Spurs haven't been the same since because Kawhi left. Yeah, and he he had that one season 2017-18 when they lost to Golden State in the first round. You know, he, he averaged 23.1 points that year. And uh yeah, that was more what he had envisioned, but uh yeah, it's just it's just uh it just boils down to circumstances beyond his control that uh everything just kind of unraveled. Right. And when when the when the criticism of him is he's not Tim Duncan, like that's that's kind of an, an, a no kidding type of statement. But but you hear that a lot from. And I, I don't want to condescend the fans. That's Jeff's job. But <laughs> I, 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 I think that. People who've been watching the Spurs for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, just are accustomed to Hall of Fame um, 
once in a lifetime for other franchises, uh, leaders, um, um, elite players all the time. And, um, you know, that's, that's sort of unrealistic. That's an unrealistic standard to hold somebody like LaMarcus Aldridge to, um, or DeMar DeRozan or DeMar DeRozan or just name the guy. Um, people get frustrated because they, because they watched, Tim Duncan and to a to a lesser extent Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker and David Robinson and yeah. George Gervin. Um, they were they were they were good most every night. And a lot of really good players have their off nights. And people say, you know, oh DeMar, he was great five games in a row, but where was he tonight? You know, what happened to him tonight? Well, that's what happens to really good players. They have their bad nights. At one Marcus time, had plenty it was, of those uh, too. Um, uh, and so that Walter Berry, he's no George Gervin. <laughs> right. Would what Captain is, Late, did, did Captain right. Late ever get criticism? Only early. Um, <laughs> what if, okay. What if this is the twist? What if the next Tim Duncan is actually Yaka Pirtle? Yeah. Yeah. This bit is, this bit could be the future of the podcast. It's not a bit. I mean that part is. How could Pearl um, a fantastic this, basketball player? This could be part of the reviews that people post that we love. By the way, um, we really appreciate. In all seriousness, it helps us if you rate and review the podcast. Um, and if you've made it this far, again, why would it Actually, not be I'm a positive not a fan review? Of these reviews. I just want to put that on the record. I, think, I wish people I would think stop. I think they're wonderful. They're good to help the podcast grow. Um, Everybody you know, hates the, me. Uh, I think the more that you rate us highly while also bashing Jeff, like that's great for the podcast. So do that on, on your, on your podcast app, go to expressnews.com, which is continuing to provide Spurs coverage and coverage of this, uh, of this weather and this, um, stuff that everybody's dealing with in the community these days. It's, it's, Great help for to, to go to expressnews.com, subscribe to the Spurs Nation newsletter, to all the newsletters for all your uh, your local news. Um, Jeff loves Jakob Pertl. I think that's um, I think that's great. I think it's great that uh, you know the Spurs will eventually get back onto the floor after this is over with. We hope that this bout with COVID is uh, is fleeting. And that they can move on beyond this and that no one is gets seriously sick. And, uh, you know, we hope that the next podcast, we, when we uh, talk to all of you from the secure locations, that uh, we'll be talking more about basketball and about games that are about to happen. Until then, we ask that you take care of each other and to keep it real. <laughs>